Well, I'm going to pray for us as we come to the highlight of our service, which is hearing from our God in the words of Scripture. So let me pray for us, and then I'm going to read for us Mark chapter 7, which can be found on page 712. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you speak powerfully and clearly to us. Even if it's not what we want to hear, we thank you that it's what we desperately need to hear. And Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we hear your word read to us now. Move our hearts and our minds and help us to walk away and take action from what we hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mark chapter 7, raise your hand if you haven't got a Bible and you'd like one and the ushers would bring you, will bring you one. Everyone else, page 712. And I'm going to start us off. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who'd come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honour your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corban, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, Deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as, he, as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. 
First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephaphatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear. Hi friends, how are you doing? Scott's my name. I want to start today by asking a question. <clears throat> how do you get close to God? What could you do to draw nearer to God in your life? Or on the other hand, what should you avoid? What kind of things would pull you away from God that you should stay away from? It's an important question, surely, isn't it? And so, like all important questions, I went to the internet to see what the answer was. Someone said the very first step is to turn off your television. There's a bit of sense in that, isn't there? Ah, Here are some suggestions. Someone said, to draw closer to God, you need to let your imagination run wild. All right. So I did this for a little bit. I ended up partly sleeping and partly dreaming about scoring a Test Match 100 for Australia. So neither of those drew me closer to God. In fact, they drew me further away from reality. Uh, How do you draw closer to God? Someone suggested, this is a good one, pay attention at church. Amen, huh? Another person said, you draw closer to God by being a rebel. Which I thought was funny because the problem I thought is that I am a rebel to God and that draws me further away from God, but there you go. Here's my personal favourite. How do you draw closer to God? Talk to your pastor. Mm. Mm. Do you think a pastor wrote that one? (laughs) But if we're serious today, how would you answer that question? Maybe your teenage daughter or son comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I really I want to do this Christian thing. How do I get closer to God? Your neighbour leans over the back fence one day and says, I've been thinking about spiritual things. What do you think? How should I draw closer to God? Maybe you've got this question for yourself. Maybe you've been a Christian for some time and the Christian life has kind of it's been going on, but it's a bit same, a bit stale and well, you just want to draw closer to God. Or maybe you've noticed recently there's some sin creeping in and you feel like you're drifting further and further and further away from God and you want to stop that, you want to come back. How do you draw closer to God? Maybe you're really on fire for God at the moment. You're loving the Christian life and you want to go deeper and deeper and deeper. So you've got the same question as well. How do I draw closer to God here? This is a great question for us to be asking as a church. This year at TNE, you probably know this, we're having a year of spiritual growth. 
And what could grow us spiritually more than by drawing closer to God? It's a huge question, isn't it? And our passage goes right to the heart of this, of this issue. How do we draw close to God? Let's pray that God would help us understand his word now. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we love you. It's a delight to know you. Thank you so much that you've revealed yourself to us. We want to come closer to you. We pray that you'd help help us to know how to do that. We pray that you'd help us hear your word and respond with open, obedient hearts to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're asking the question, how do I draw closer to God? And this might sound a little bit surprising, but the Pharisees, they thought they had the answer. Uh, So just look how carefully they practiced their faith their faith in verse 3. Verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles, and they're doing all sorts of things here to make sure that they're, they're good in their faith, to make sure they can draw close to God, not far away from him. The Pharisees think they know the answer. But in this passage, Jesus says, you don't understand what defiles you because you don't hold on to the word of God. That's the first point for the day. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you don't understand what defiles you because you don't hold on to the word of God. It all begins when some Pharisees come to check out what Jesus is doing. Already in Mark, the Pharisees have had run-ins with Jesus. And it looks like they've come again specifically just to see what's going on, see if they can stir up a bit of trouble. So there's already a bit of tension in the air. And then they see something. Look at verse 2. The Pharisees saw some of Jesus' disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Oh, they think, this is it. We've got him. Look, here's how we can discredit Jesus. His disciples are defiled. Calling someone defiled sounds a little bit intense, doesn't it? Uh, What does it really mean? I googled defiled. Half the the results were web pages devoted to definitions of words. Other half were uh, websites devoted to Bible uh, knowledge. So it's a word that's in the Bible that we don't really know what it means. But in the Old Testament world, being defiled was a very big issue and everyone knew about it. In the Old Testament, God, the holy God of the universe, particularly lived among one nation, among Israel. He is a holy God. That means that not just anyone can come near to him. No, to come close to God, you have to be clean or undefiled. There's a little diagram I did up. You have to be clean to come near to the holy God. But there were many things that made you unclean or defiled. So, for example, if you touched a corpse, if you ate the wrong kinds of food, you're defiled, you are unclean, you couldn't come near to God, 
You couldn't come to the temple to pray. You couldn't join in the common acts of worship. You had to go outside the camp, away from God. Uh, You were cast out. You could not come near to God. That's what a defiled person is, someone who cannot come near to God. And here, in Mark chapter 7, the Pharisees say that Jesus' disciples are defiled. That they can't come near to God. So what does that say about Jesus? He's the leader of this group of guys. He's happy for them to be unclean and defiled. What kind of a leader is this? Can you see what they're saying about Jesus? They're saying, if you follow Jesus, you can't come near to God. So if there was tension in the air before, it's now gone through the roof. This is a huge accusation. But the tension then goes atomic, levels, atomic levels. Look at the way Jesus responds. Verse 6. Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it's written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching is merely human rules. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. It's really strong language, isn't it? And Jesus doesn't mince his words here. He calls the Pharisees hypocrites. He says they only pay lip service to God. Their worship is in vain. And why? Because they just live by human rules, not by God's word. They hold to the the tradition of the elders. And in doing so, they let go of God's word. They let go of God's commands. See, their ceremonial washings, they're only about human tradition. For these Pharisees, the very commands of God are less important than human traditions. And Jesus gives an example of this. The whole practice of Corban was just the way that the tradition of the elders meant that the the people no longer held on to the word of God. See, these Pharisees, they think that Jesus' disciples are defiled. They think that Jesus can't bring you near to God. But it's actually them. Jesus turns and he points the finger back at them. They're the ones who are far from God. They've let go of God's word. When I was a teenager, one Christmas, my parents were quite generous and they got me a new stereo. It looked kind of like this one. It was great. I was really pumped. I unwrapped this thing and I thought it was fantastic. You'll notice there are three parts to this stereo. The middle part, which does all the work, and the two speakers on the sides. So as I pulled it out of its packaging, I go, okay, one, two, three. You just need to connect them together. It'll be fine. So I threw the instructions to the side and got to it. Problem was... I turned it on there, thought I, had it, thought I had it ready, turned it on, wouldn't work. So I jigged around the back again and thought, here it is, I got it this time, turned it on, no, nothing. And about this point, my sister walked along. She looks at what's happening and she says, Scott, just read the instructions. So at this point, I'm more determined than ever. I am not reading that set of instructions. I'm going to figure this out myself. My little brother had been given the same stereo. He read the instructions. He had it set up in no time. 
So it was just a totally embarrassing display by me. But it's a similar thing that's going on here in Mark 7. Uh, these Pharisees, they think they know what defiles someone, but they're just using their own ideas. It's like, it's like me with the stereo. I'd tossed aside the setup instructions. They've tossed aside the word of God. Look at how Jesus concludes his argument in verse 13. He says to the Pharisees, Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, and you do many things like that. I think there's a challenge in this for us. What are the traditions that we would keep hold of? What are the things that have become really important to us? Maybe so important that we think these are the things that really count. I haven't been at TNE here for very long, but I suspect something that is a bit of a tradition for us is our community groups, right? We love our community groups. They're great. I had my first meeting with my community group on Tuesday, just gone. Fantastic. Loved it. I'm looking forward to a couple of nights time we meet together again. These groups are a huge part of our church life. But what if someone decides not to join a community group? How do we think about that person then? Do we ever think that maybe they're a lesser Christian than the rest of us? Now, community groups are great. And I'd actually try and convince everyone to be part of them because I think they're fantastic. But the Word of God never says they're a must. You cannot turn to a chapter and verse in the Bible that says you must go to a community group. So as great as they are, we can't say they are a must for everyone, even if they are part of the norms at T&E here. You see, this is me as someone who's just been here for a month, coming along and trying to understand uh, what are your norms, what are your traditions. You'll have a much better idea of this. I think at morning tea, this is a great time to have a coffee and have a chat with someone. What are the traditions we keep? How do we make sure that they don't become more important than the Word of God for us? Can I encourage you to have that conversation over coffee? But let me say one more thing. The antidote to all of this, the antidote is the Word of God. Having the Word of God at the centre of our life, at the centre of our church life, at the centre of our home life, the centre of our personal life. See, when the Word of God is at the centre, it's then that we recognise traditions for what they are, just human things. Keep the Word of God at the centre, friends. Jesus has just told the Pharisees they don't understand what defiles because they don't hold on to the word of God. This is a conversation with Jesus and the Pharisees. But then he calls the crowds to him. He wants everyone to hear this next thing. It's really important. What's he got to say? Jesus says, your heart shows that you're defiled. That's the second point today. Your heart shows you're defiled. Look at verse 15, what Jesus says in verse 15. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. See, being defiled is not an outside-in problem. Being defiled is an inside-out problem. The disciples don't understand what Jesus means. 
So they ask him to explain. And this is what Jesus says, verse 18. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Food can't defile you. Remember, being defiled is about not being able to come near the holy God. Eating certain foods can never stop you from getting close to God. Although, if you do eat too much KFC, you might meet God sooner than you'd hope. Uh, But that's not the point. See, any food that you eat just ends up in the sewage system. It doesn't defile you. This is not an inside, uh, sorry, this is not an outside in problem. Food can't defile us, food can't make us unacceptable to God. That's what Jesus is saying. And you might think, well, hang on a minute. Isn't Jesus just doing what the Pharisees did? Isn't Jesus just making a human tradition come over the word of God? Because in the Old Testament, God said there were some foods that were unclean. You know, if you can eat lamb, but if you eat bacon, well, then you're defiled. Then you're unclean. You can't come near to God. That's the Old Testament. And here Jesus is saying that, well, you can eat anything. Isn't he doing the same thing that he's just chewed out the Pharisees for? Isn't he just putting a new tradition over the word of God? Well, no. Because firstly, Jesus is not starting up a human tradition. He's God. And he's saying this with the authority of God. It's not a human tradition. It's the word of God. And secondly, Jesus is showing us what those food laws in the Old Testament are really all about. See, the food laws are there to show us that God is holy, but we are defiled. We are unclean. We cannot come to him. The problem isn't really about the food we eat. The problem's with the heart. That's what makes us defiled. That's what shows we're defiled. That's why we're distant from God. So look what Jesus says in verse 20. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Our problem is an inside-out problem. It's a problem of the heart. We have a heart disease. And when what's on the inside flows out of us, it exposes our hearts. It exposes what we really are. I think you can see this kind of thing on the news sometimes. See, whenever there's a big arrest, a reporter will go outside to the house where the murderer lived. And that's where they do their report from. They do a live cross there. And as part of their report, they'll try and interview a neighbour. And what do the neighbours always say? It's very similar all the time. It's always stuff like, well, he seemed like a quite nice person to me. It's stuff like, I didn't really know her, but she was always friendly and would wave to me. It's, I can't believe that. This person would do something like that. That doesn't sound like them at all. Let's see what's happening. It's that we're able to dress up our appearances on the outside. But still there's a deeper heart problem. A heart disease. And that's what Jesus is pointing out to us. Our hearts expose us. Our hearts show that we're defiled. 
take a quick look at the list again there. It's sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. I think he's talking about moral folly. I've read this list in the past with a number of people. And each time I've done that, everyone said, yeah, that's me. For most of us, we don't have to get past the first one to admit that. We get to see sexual morality, and you know, maybe I haven't had an affair, but well, there has been the sexually immoral thought, let alone the greed or the envy or the arrogance. That's me. What about you? Is this true of you too? Jesus says we're defiled. Our hearts show that we're defiled. We're unacceptable to God. We can't come near to God. Forget about drawing close to God. Some of us will feel the weight of this. Some of us feel the weight of this. We we feel crushed by it. We know our sin. We know our sin and we feel that it drives us away from God. And hearing this, well, we just feel a bit crushed again, driven further away. And if that's you today, I want to say, hang on. Because there's good news to come. You need to hang on. But first, let me talk to others of us who will find this easier to pass over. We'll hear Jesus say these things and it's just one of those lists in the Bible, isn't it? Lists of morality things. It's not that we discount what Jesus is saying. It's just that we never really feel the weight of it for ourselves. We pass over too quickly. If that's you, let me say again really clearly, Jesus tells us that we cannot come close to God. You're defiled. Feel the weight of this reality. So you can't read this passage and think that you and God will just get on okay. Jesus is saying you cannot come near to God when your heart is like this. So what do we do, friends? How do we become clean? How do we become undefiled and acceptable? How can we draw near to God then? Well, surely we're just going to read on and Jesus will tell us what to do, right? But no, no, no. Because this is the end of Jesus talking, right? He just tells us there's this massive problem and he drops the mic. He walks out. And we're left here hanging going, what do I do? Waiting, dreading the reality that we can't come to God. What do we do, friends? Jesus doesn't say anything, but he does do something. It's as if Jesus is saying, look at this, look at me, look at what I can do. I can make you clean. That's the third point for the day. It's like Jesus is saying to us, look, look at what I'm doing. I can make you clean. So Jesus goes up to a place called Tyre. You'll notice it's right at the top of the map, a long way from where the Jews lived. This place, as far as Jews are concerned, this is a defiled place. Tyre is a defiled place. And while he's in Tyre, 
a woman comes up to Jesus, and this woman is a defiled woman. Take a look at verse 26. She's a Greek woman who was born in Syria. She's not a Jew, so by birth she's defiled. She's an unclean Gentile, that is a non-Jew. Basically, this woman, she couldn't be more defiled if she tried. But then look at the conversation she has with Jesus. It gets even, even more crazy. Look at verse 26. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, Jesus told her. For it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. You ever feel that? That's kind of hard to listen to. Jesus calls this woman a dog. I mean, is there anything more offensive than that? But then she accepts the premise. She accepts the fact that she's called a dog. What's going on here? The woman, I think, is merely recognizing that she is defiled. She's not a Jew. So in the analogy, she's not one of the children. She is a dog. She's saying that, yes, I'm a defiled person. She realizes she's not able to come near to God. But look at what Jesus says to her. Verse 27. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. This woman is, it's like she's the epitome of being defiled. There's no way she can come near to God And yet Jesus heals her spiritually sick daughter. What's going on here? Jesus has just told us our hearts show we're defiled. We're unfit to come near to God. But here's this woman. She's completely and definitely defiled. And yet Jesus does for her what she asks. It's as if her defilement in some way has been overcome. And so we get a hint. And it's just a hint at this moment. But we get a hint Maybe Jesus is the one who can overcome our defilement. Maybe. And Jesus ups and goes from there, and he ends up in a place called Decapolis. Probably there are some Jews who live here, but by and large it's Gentile territory. It's another defiled place. Last time we were here, we saw lots of defiled animals, pigs running around. And here is a man who's brought to Jesus. He might be a defiled person, he might be a Jew, we're not quite sure. But either way, he can't speak, he can't hear. He's brought to Jesus, and Jesus heals this man. And look at the crowd's response, verse 37. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well, they said. He's done everything well. Everything. If he's done everything well, well, maybe... Just maybe he's the one who can clean us from our defilement too. And at this point in Mark, it is just a maybe. We just get a couple of hints. But as we keep reading through the gospel in the coming weeks, what we're going to see is Jesus go to the cross. We're going to see Jesus spill his blood. And it's that very blood that washes us from our defilement. It washes our dirty hearts clean again. The blood of Jesus is the thing that cleanses, friend. The blood of Jesus means that we can draw near again to God. And this doesn't mean that suddenly Christians stop sinning. It means that we can draw near to the true God. We can come near to him. So let's ask our first question again. 
How do I get close to God? It's not by prayer. It's not by reading my Bible. It's not by going to church. And it's certainly not by talking to your pastor. It's not any of these things because none of these things can make us undefiled. None of these things can clean us. None of these things can make us acceptable to God again. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can take a defiled heart and make it clean again. Only Jesus can bring you close to God. Yeah, sure. We pray to God. But what do we pray to him? We prayed this prayer right at the start of of church today. We prayed that the blood of Jesus would cleanse us. And our prayers are heard because the blood of Jesus does cleanse us, friends. This is good news. And that means we can continually draw near to God in prayer because of Jesus. It's not prayer that draws us close to God. It's Jesus. And we just live out that reality then, that we are close to God. Sure, we can read our Bibles. And as we do, our trust in Jesus grows because again and again and again, we read that the blood of Jesus cleanses us and brings us close to God. And so as we read our Bibles, we'll get to know God better and better. But it's not our Bibles that actually make us closer to God. Jesus does. Our Bible reading strengthens our faith in that Jesus. See, it's Jesus that draws us close to God by washing away our defilement. And then we get to live out that reality of being close to God. Because Jesus has brought us close to God. So this year at t is our year of spiritual growth. And in this year, how do we draw closer to God? We might do lots of things. But the first thing has to be, we draw closer to God by Jesus. Because it's Jesus that draws us closer to God. So I hope this year, uh, in our year of spiritual growth, that we'll just have a bigger vision of Jesus. Going away from here today, I'm not asking you to do anything, to do any action. I'm simply saying, let's grow our vision of Jesus. We're defiled. There's no way we can come close to God. But Jesus does this for us. He draws us closer to God. So my prayer for this year, I'm about to pray it now. My prayer for this year is that Jesus will be bigger and bigger in our eyes day after day after day. Will you join me as we pray that now? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, again we confess that we are not fit to come before you. Our lives are full of sin. Our hearts show that we are defiled. We have no hope of coming close to you. We thank you so much for Jesus, for what he did, for his blood spilled at the cross, which washes us clean. Please, Father, this year, grow us to know Jesus more, to love him more deeply, to understand who he is more fully, and to live to please him. We pray that this year, Jesus will be bigger in our eyes. And we ask this in his name.
Amén.